Greetings and welcome back to the Ideas Podcast. I'm Daniel Lazar, and I'm proud to be the co-founder of and the faculty advisor to the John F. Kennedy School's Ideas Club. Ideas was born of the demand that in our time of crises, in our age of anxiety, when democracy is fragile, when intolerance is increasingly tolerated, we must intensify our efforts to create a safe, yet a challenging space to discuss and to celebrate diversity. The Ideas Club is humbled and heartened by the outpourings of support that we've enjoyed for our last podcast episode. We're grateful to the students, the faculty, and the parents for their contributions to our commemoration and our celebration of Dr. King. Building on the spirit and the hope of that episode, and buoyed by the spirit of the inauguration of the 49th President and the 46th Vice President of the United States of America, this episode aims to explore our hope, and perhaps it's just a hope, we hope not a foolish one, that the Biden administration will advance the agenda of JFK's ideas. But before we dive into that episode, I hope you'll allow me to do just a little bit of housekeeping. First, you, our dear listener, you ought to know that this is the first of a two-part series on Biden and ideas. We hope these two episodes will complement one another, and we think you might want to enjoy them sequentially. So listen to this one first. Second, we urge you to subscribe or follow us wherever you get podcasts. It really helps us if you subscribe. It helps you too. Let's help each other. Please subscribe. I'll give you a second to find that subscribe or follow button. Go on. Hit it. Cool. Now that you're subscribed, you should know that you can also listen to us as well as scores of other like-minded podcasts on our beloved network, Bear Radio Berlin. If you like ideas, you'll almost surely like Busy Being Black. Busy Being Black is a growing collection of queer black voices. Hosted by Josh Rivers, this podcast serves as an oral history project through conversations with those who have learned and who are learning to thrive at the intersections of their identities. Check it out on Bear Radio. All right, the house is in order. Indeed, it is so orderly that I can finally welcome my guest. For this special episode, it is my pleasure to welcome for her Ideas podcast debut a stellar JFKS 11th grader, Bella Winger. Bella, welcome to the podcast. Now, you manage this project. Can you tell us what ideas sought to accomplish in the first of this two-part series on Biden and ideas? We're at the beginning of a new chapter of American life and need the Biden administration to get off on the right foot. Let's hit the ground running, carrying the ideas values with each step. We want these ideas values to be made manifest as soon as possible as they set up for success, especially in this time of crisis. Here are our thoughts on how this can be done. So, Bella, you have been an active and invaluable contributor to the Ideas Club, to the Ideas Mission. Why did you choose to step up and to manage this particular project? Like, what inspired you to throw yourself into this particular podcast? 
In these past four years, people have constantly been coming up to people my age and have been saying things like, you know, the mess that we're leaving behind is now in your hands. It's going to be in your hands. You will have to deal with the mess that we're leaving behind. And everything that has happened in these four years has really, I feel like I've built up a sense of responsibility for the future. And seeing Biden's inauguration speech has really made me hopeful, but also just because we have a new president doesn't mean that that sense of responsibility has gone away. And this is something that really interests me. And I want to be a part of the future. And I see myself as the future. Can you tell me what you were feeling when you watched the Biden inauguration? I felt for the first time in a very long time, a deep, deep breath of air. I felt like we could really breathe in and there was a new sense of security that I think a lot of us longed for. And I will say that Trump was elected when I was in seventh grade. And although I'd always been politically aware because of my parents, I only really myself began to be properly interested in politics around the same time as Trump's election. And I think that the entire span of my uh, life being interested in politics is sort of spun around the Trump administration. This is a new era. And I think that for me, this is really important because in these four years, I've really built a relationship to politics and how important I feel politics is. Do you think it's going to be hard to pivot in your mind from the politics of division and the politics of vitriol to a certain politics of hope? Definitely. I really strongly myself feel challenged by the idea of really pursuing a unified America. I mean, I feel as though I almost have always lived in a bubble and not living in the U.S. myself. Whenever I do go to, in, to the U.S., I, I live in a bubble and everyone I know in the U.S. sort of I'm surrounded by people with the same politics as me. And I think it's really hard for me to imagine how I would communicate with those who have different politics for me. But I 100% will try to build a relationship to those people. It seems like that was at the core of the Biden inaugural address, right? To reach across the aisle, to reach across geographical, ideological, racial, ethno-religious lines, to find some common ground. And only through that common ground can we have hope. And without hope, I mean, what are we really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Mr. Lazar, you came up with the premise of this episode. Could you tell us a bit more about how you came up with the idea for this episode? Oh, um, I mean, I can, but it really borders on the confessional. But, I, but I've been allowing myself to feel ultra vulnerable these days. So, well, so here I go. Um... So my mom died after a really long battle with Alzheimer's the day before Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. And um, it was devastating, as a parent's death is and should be. But it was also a, a relief, right? So I was aggrieved, but I got some respite. It was kind of like a sense of aggrieved relief. And not knowing how to handle all of that, never having lost a parent before, 
I guess I just threw myself into that last podcast we did, that podcast which celebrated and commemorated and mourned the passing of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I spent 16, 18 hours a day for a couple of days just listening to King's speeches, mostly because I didn't want to or couldn't really deal with my my mom's passing but also because in listening to King, I was able to get from him what I get from him every year, which is a sense of unbridled hope. Not foolish hope, but hope. And then to listen to the contributions that our faculty and our students and some of our parents made to that episode and just sort of putting that all together, putting together King's lectures with our community's meditations on King. I mean, it was just a really enriching experience. And I was beginning to, as you were saying, uh, I was beginning to feel my first breath coming on. And then my family and I decided that we were going to celebrate Biden's inauguration. And my wife and my daughter and I, we sat on the couch and we beamed all of that pomp and circumstance, all of that symbolic politics, which usually I don't have too much of a palette for, but something came upon me and I needed it. And I am not afraid to tell you, Bella, (laughs) And I guess anyone who's listening to this thing, that I just wept. I was listening to Biden and and watching him and the other uh, speakers and artists, and I was just a sobbing mess. And of course, it wasn't just about the transfer of power from one administration to the other, although that was, as you say, a relief. It was about the hope of Dr. King and the passing of my mom and all of it, just all of it. And of course, in my emotional state, I don't know that I had too many perfectly clear thoughts, but one thing was perfectly clear to me when I was watching Joe Biden and listening to him. His speech echoed ideas, values so clearly. And so that's where this idea kind of came from. And so I reached out to the Ideas membership and I just asked if any of you wanted to commemorate this historic moment. It might be the turning point at which history fails to turn, but it's surely a moment. And as is the nature of the splendid membership of the Ideas Club It took about, what would you say, Bella, 60 or 90 seconds to get five volunteers to get this project going? Yes, absolutely. Took very little time. So I proposed this idea and you all just took it and ran with it. Bella, you managed it. So tell us, what do we have to look forward to on this episode? So we get to listen to five members of the Ideas Club from 10th to 12th grade at our John F. Kennedy School, each reflect on one of the aspects of the ideas, values, 
We will have Lucy Brass and Mia Ackerman on identity, Johanna Tigges on diversity, Julia Walishevsky on empathy, myself, Isabella Winger on awareness, and Lena Sitar on service. And in between everyone's parts, we will have excerpts from Joe Biden's inauguration speech, which illustrate each of those individual pillars of ideas values. And make sure to stay to the end for a couple of surprises. All right, Isabella. So I is for identity, D, diversity, empathy, awareness, service. We're going to start with Lucy Brass and Mia Ackerman talking about identity. Especially amidst the COVID-19 crisis, the Biden administration wants to implement a lot of changes and move forward in a more national than federal manner so the U.S. can move forward together. By finding a common ground with each state, Biden seeks to reshape U.S. identity towards a unified America. For one, Joe Biden has already repealed the former President Trump's Muslim ban, which forbade refugees from 11 countries as well as immediate family members of refugees from entering the United States. The Biden administration is being inclusive of all Americans and on his first day in office has additionally let trans people back in the military and chose to launch an initiative to advance racial equity. By embedding equity across federal policymaking and rooting out systemic racism and other barriers, the inclusive aspect of American identity will be redefined. Biden has also signed an executive order to help prevent and combat discrimination on the basis of gender identity and sexual orientation to protect LGBTQ plus persons. By taking all these measures and implementing even more changes, the Biden administration will live up to their promise of fully embracing all Americans and their concerns in order to shape the diversity and range of American identity. The meaning of American identity is subjective to any American and therefore has a variety of diverse meanings to each and every American individual. Inclusiveness, diversity, and equality for all citizens are at the core of American identity. America is made up of people of color, LGBTQ plus persons, and various ethnic backgrounds and religions from every corner of the world. However, a certain former president had racist and misogynistic tendencies and therefore chose to neglect those in poverty, migrants, etc., and discriminated against countless Americans who did not uphold the same views as him. Joe Biden, on the other hand, cares for all Americans and is concerned for their issues. The new Biden administration is a powerful, diverse group who we believe will redefine, broaden, and embrace the true meaning of American identity. Throughout Biden's campaign, he has continually highlighted how he vows to be a president for all Americans, Republican or Democrat. No matter what age, gender, or race, he is a president for the people. During Biden's inaugural speech, he emphasized that he wants to bring back meaning to the United States by seeking to unify the country once more and uphold its core values of unity, collaboration, and freedom.
Many centuries ago, St. Augustine, a saint of my church, wrote that a people was a multitude defined by the common objects of their love. Defined by the common objects of their love. What are the common objects we as Americans love that define us as Americans? I think we know. Opportunity, security, liberty, dignity, respect, honor, and yes, the truth. I know speaking of unity can sound to some like a foolish fantasy these days. I know the forces that divide us are deep and they are real. But I also know they are not new. Our history has been a constant struggle between the American ideal that we're all are created equal and the harsh, ugly reality that racism, nativism, fear, demonization have long torn us apart. The battle is perennial and victory is never assured. Through civil war, the Great Depression, World War, 9-11, through struggle, sacrifice, and setbacks, our better angels have always prevailed. In each of these moments, enough of us, enough of us have come together to carry all of us forward. And we can do that now. History, faith, and reason show the way, the way of unity. We can see each other, not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. We can join forces, stop the shouting, and lower the temperature. For without unity, there is no peace, only bitterness and fury. No progress, only exhausting outrage. No nation, only a state of chaos. This is our historic moment of crisis and challenge. And unity is the path forward. Do you like diversity? Diversity is one of the key elements the Ideas Club seeks to embody, welcome, and support within our community. Times are changing, and with a new president comes the hope of improvement and further development. But we refuse to leave it at just hope. A part of the poem recited by Amanda Gorman at the inauguration reads, We are striving to forge our union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, and characters, and conditions of man. I find this excerpt fitting while asking ourselves how the Biden administration can reach out to all Americans. While the final answer may not lie in my short reflection, it may lie somewhere else we all have our eyes on. Biden's cabinet. One of the early ways that a presidential administration expresses willingness to be accountable is through cabinet picks. It reflects the will, spirit, and values of the administration. And while there's always, always room for more inclusion and representation, Biden has presented us with the most diverse cabinet in U.S. history. Government should represent the people, and by including people of color, the LGBTQ plus community, and other minorities in the cabinet, Biden is doing precisely that. However, more people like Kamala Harris, the first African-American and the first South Asian-American, 
to hold the office of American vice president in the state's history, people like her should become more normal and the face of politics for America's politics to become more diverse in general. Regarding the question how America can capitalize on its greatest strength, its greatest strength being diversity, my answer is we must embrace it. We must embrace it and we must not only tolerate it, but we must celebrate it. Tolerance is the bare minimum and the bare minimum will not do, especially after what we have endured these last four years. Hence, we must cultivate empathy and celebration towards the diversity that America has to offer in order for this to be a good for maybe a good eight years. stand looking out in the great mall where Dr. King spoke of his dream. Here we stand where 108 years ago at another inaugural thousands of protesters tried to block brave women marching for the right to vote. And today we mark the swearing in of the first woman in American history elected to national office, Vice President Kamala Harris. Don't tell me things can't change. I understand that many of my fellow Americans view the future with fear and trepidation. I understand they worry about their jobs. I understand, like my dad, they lay in bed staring at the night, staring at the ceiling, wondering, can I keep my health care? Can I pay my mortgage? Thinking about their families about what comes next. I promise you, I get it. But the answer is not to turn inward, to retreat into competing factions, distrusting those who don't look like, look like you, or worship the way you do, or don't get their news from the same sources you do. Empathy. We need politicians now, more than ever, who are willing to listen and empathize with everyday Americans, who will act sensitively in times of tragedy. Joe Biden has been characterized by his empathy. When he was 29, he lost his wife and infant daughter in a car crash. At the age of 72, he lost his son to cancer. Biden knows how it feels to lose family members in an unexpected way. He knows how it feels to be a parent to a veteran, and he knows how it feels to lose a child to cancer. Through that journey of grief, Biden not only found purpose, he also forged within himself greater empathy and compassion. He understands and connects with those who've experienced similar loss. And therefore, Biden has been out front and acting on his empathy. As a politician, Empathy is incredibly important for connecting with the people you hope to represent. Empathy is the willingness to act, but politicians can only act when they truly know the issue at hand. This requires them to listen and have conversations with everyday Americans. People with genuine empathy follow up to see how those in need are doing. 
Delaware Senator Chris Kuhn stated that Joe Biden has almost a superpower in his ability to comfort and listen and connect with people who have just suffered the greatest loss of their lives. If we elect politicians who are good listeners, we will have people in power who ask questions instead of assuming they know the right course of action. If we would elect empathetic politicians, we would have people in power who respond sensitively to different points of view and who can be flexible over where the dialogue might lead. Instead of seeking to control and dominate, our politicians would be seeking to support, enable, and care. I am hopeful that Joe Biden can fulfill this principle as he is known for stepping into the other's shoes and identifying with their feelings. I am hopeful that Biden can use his empathetic nature to listen to those most affected by the issues his administration aims to address. I believe that the most prevalent issues among the American people can be combated by empathy, that our newly elective administration is willing to listen, understand, and act accordingly. Let's begin to listen to one another again, hear one another, see one another, show respect to one another. Politics doesn't have to be a raging fire, destroying everything in its path. Every disagreement doesn't have to be a cause for total war. We must end this uncivil war that pits red against blue, rural versus urban conservative versus liberal. We can do this if we open our souls instead of hardening our hearts. If we show a little tolerance and humility. And if we're willing to stand in the other person's shoes, as my mom would say, just for a moment, stand in their shoes. Because here's the thing about life. There's no accounting for what fate will deal you. Some days, when you need a hand, there are other days when we're called to lend a hand. That's how it has to be. That's what we do for one another. And if we are this way, our country will be stronger, more prosperous, more ready for the future. And we can still disagree. What should the Biden administration do to spread awareness of ideas values, especially in light of the economic and public health crises that he must prioritize? First and foremost, in order for any administration to spread awareness of the ideas values, all appointed must deeply believe in them. There is no halfway point. These values should be supported uncompromised and unanimously. If the person put in charge of setting up the Justice or Environment Committee does not actually believe in any kind of reform or climate emergency, nothing will be done and there will be no change. Next, equally, if not more important, the Biden administration must give voice to the leaders and experts of different fields. 
whether it be allowing scientists to speak the truth instead of wishful thinking, or giving a platform to the Black Lives Matter movement, these values and truths need to be spoken in order to be heard. Truth, in and of itself, underscores the entire exercise of building a new administration. When the government lies to the people, it erodes their trust in the government. I am asking the Biden administration to speak the truth, even if it is not what we want to hear. The public must believe the administration for any message to sink in. Truth, trust, then awareness. There is a climate crisis. There is systemic racism. There is a pandemic. How are you supposed to find solutions if you do not acknowledge the problem? Why look for solutions if you do not understand the urgency of the problem? Biden won the election, but he's not won the trust of all Americans. The fact is that over 74 million people voted for Donald Trump in the 2020 election. In a nation as divided as today, the only way to build trust with those against you is through transparent and honest communication. Only then will the Biden administration successfully spread its values. When it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic specifically, something as simple as acknowledging how wearing masks can stop the spread of disease can save millions of lives. The Biden administration must push back against the politicization of public health and all other issues that are in the interest of the common good. But the American story depends not on any one of us, not on some of us, but on all of us, on we, the people, who seek a more perfect union. This is a great nation. We are good people. And over the centuries, through storm and strife, in peace and in war, we've come so far. But we still have far to go. not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The powerful words coming from our very own John F. Kennedy are rejuvenated in this time when the new administration under President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris has begun a new era in honor of democracy. Democracy has prevailed was seen at the center of Biden's speech at the inauguration. We hold this close to our hearts, but at the same time ask ourselves, how do we as people defend democracy? To achieve a functioning democracy, citizens must be truly involved in politics. There simply is no alternative. Upon becoming the 46th president of the United States, Biden vows that he will serve not only those who voted for him, but also those who didn't. He clarifies that the strong division between Republicans and Democrats needs to be overcome. Little do we realize that we have a prominent role in making or breaking these divisions. I think we can all agree that politics isn't the best idea for a dinner topic, but instead of avoiding it, we need to face it. To lessen the divide between parties, we need to work on our personal relationships with people, be they family or friends, to create a sense of unity instead of rivalry. Furthermore, starting from the very first day onwards, 
the new administration has set ambitious goals in order to confront the four major overlapping crises, the pandemic, the economic crisis, global warming, and systemic racism. This is just the beginning of a long list of issues that affect every single American. In this time and day, to acknowledge our power as citizens is critical. As the saying goes, never let a good crisis go to waste. Well, frankly, what better time than now? All attention is on pressing matters such as equality, racism, and our planet. We need to take this opportunity and make something of it. Now is the time where eyes are on the younger generation to shape our future. This can be done in many ways. For example, advocacy by use of grassroots movements, using media as a starting platform to voice our voices, using these opportunities to start discussions among family members and friends, and especially open conversations in schools. This is exactly the purpose of the Ideas Podcast, to create a space to use our voices and to rouse discussions around identity, diversity, empathy, awareness, and last of all, service. We need to play our part in these movements. Even the smallest form of support can be the spark leading to something much greater. Let's us add our own work and prayers to the unfolding story of our great nation. If we do this, then when our days are through, our children and our children's children will say of us, they gave their best, they did their duty, they healed a broken land. My fellow Americans, I close the day where I began with the sacred oath before God and all of you. I give you my word. I will always level with you. I'll defend America. And I'll give all, all of you, keep everything you, I do in your service, thinking not of power, but of possibilities, not of personal interest, but the public good. And together, we shall write an American story of hope, not fear, of unity, not division, of light, not darkness. A story of decency and dignity, love and healing, greatness and goodness. May this be the story that guides us, the story that inspires us, and the story that tells ages yet to come that we answered the call of history. We met the moment. Democracy and hope, truth and justice did not die in our watch but thrived. In your hands, my fellow citizens, more than mine, will rest the final success or failure of our course. Now the trumpet summons us again, not as a call to bear arms, though arms we need, not as a call to battle, though in battle we are, but a call to bear the burden of a long twilight struggle, year in and year out, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, a struggle against the common enemies of man, tyranny, poverty, disease, and war itself. 
can we forge against these enemies a grand and global alliance? Will you join in that historic effort? In the long history of the world, only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. I do not shrink from this responsibility. I welcome it. I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace. And the norms and notions of what just is isn't always just is. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so we lift our gaze not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. Poet Amanda Gorman, she provides me with hope. The members of the JFKS Ideas Club, they give me hope. And you, our loyal listener, you have reason to hope. And until all your hopes come true, we hope that you subscribe, leave a like, follow us wherever you get podcasts, and please 
Tune in for the second part of JFK's ideas on Biden. We'll see you there and then. It'll be coming out real soon. <laughs>